This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Tech Talk this morning. Turnitin, a worldwide pioneer in upholding academic honesty, have recently launched a tech-savvy feature that supports teachers and institutions in confirming the originality of students' academic submissions. It's an AI detector that can pinpoint the number of sentences in a student's paper that might have been crafted by AI writing tools like ChatGPT. And it is worth noting, of course, that the surge in usage of AI tools in academia is a bit of a hot topic right now. The integration of ChatGPT in educational settings has sparked a debate, and as some view it as a tool to boost productivity and access knowledge, others express concern, of course, about potential academic misconduct and over-dependence on this technology. It also leads to questions about fairness and equality in educational settings, and it's clear that a well-thought-out evaluation of ChatGPT's role in education is required, considering both its advantages and potential risks. Turnitin's AI detector aims to address some of these concerns. It's a tool designed to help educators flag potential cases of academic dishonesty or plagiarism that involves AI tools like ChatGPT, thereby opening up avenues for further investigation or discussion with students as and when required. To help me delve deeper into this topic, I'll be speaking with James Thorley. He is the APAC Regional Vice President at Turnitin. He's hopefully going to shed some light on the development of this technology and its potential influence on the academic world. Hi, James. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rich. I'm very pleased to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Of course, as, as I just mentioned, it is a bit of a uh, hot potato topic right now, and I'm not just talking about in academia. Uh, Chat GPT, Mid Journey, all of these uh, generative AI tools are all over the place at the moment. I mean, and I talk about it because I'm a tech show. Uh, of course, you're talking about it because of the company that you're involved with. How much discussion do you think is happening out now in the general public? How aware are they of these kind of tools? I think in the in the general public, it's it's pretty widespread. Certainly, I've had uh, a lot of people um, uh, when I've raised the topic, they, they know what I'm talking about, which usually isn't the case with, with uh, um, I'd say uh, a lot of technology, particularly in education. Mm. Um, and I think what's what I've found really interesting, and, and uh, obviously I travel around Asia a lot, is um, it, it's it's happening everywhere at once, um, which I think is pretty unique in terms of in terms of technology having a global impact um, uh, all at the same time um, in my experience there's, there's there's often been in the past this kind of it's been a staggered thing so it, it, something that might be a hot topic in say Australia isn't a hot topic in um, yeah. Malaysia or Japan at the same time but um, over here you know with, with chat GBT and generative AI it seems to be it's happening everywhere all at once uh, which yeah. is um, which is really interesting let's let's talk about the the um the writing detector ai writing detector that turnitin have developed uh identifies 97 percent of ai authored writing can you elaborate on the research and development process that led to this this result 97 percent yeah so we've been working on this um for more than you know just a couple of months we we were able to release something quite quickly but we've we've known about the um 
you know, I mean, generative AI has been around for certainly longer than ChatGPT. ChatGPT just really, um, I think, raised it in the public consciousness and also made it a lot more, um, it was a lot easier to use mm. when ChatGPT launched. Um, so we, we've been thinking about uh, generative AI and, and um, what to do about it and potentially how to detect it for, I would say, probably two to three years now. Uh, and over that time, we spent a lot of um, uh, R&D and, and research on, on how best to do that. Right. Um, and I think what, what we've done, um, what we've really focused on from a detection side is because our background is in um, academic writing, student writing, yeah. we've really looked, taken it from the perspective of student writing um, and what's going to be most effective or how to best uh, detect what you typically see in essays. Um, rather than try and do um, be too generic and be too general, mm. um, and so yeah, look, we've we've uh, we've done extensive testing. We've tested particularly against um, academic writing, um, and um, also looked at uh, you know different um, second language learners as well. And and you know, so we've we've um, yeah, it's been a even though we've we were able to release something quite quickly after, quite quickly after ChatGPT. Um, we spent a lot of time on it, which is why we're, we're confident that we have the, the best detector out there for mm. this. Um, mm. And one of the interesting things now is, you know, it's only been out sort of six weeks now. I think we, were, we, we launched it on April 4th. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, all of, all of the, uh, the, the work we did pre, uh, pre that in terms of um, getting it to, to, to market and our focus was getting it out as soon as, as, soon as we could. Um, because of the demand, um, but we're, we're now, I think, we're soon going to be able to sort of iterate a little bit, and we'll be able to talk a lot about what we've seen and what we've mm. um, been able to determine mm. um, at a scale which which no one else has, because we are, you know, we have a huge number of users globally. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be, we're going to have some really interesting data, I think, coming out in um, probably in just a few weeks. I mean, because it, it did raise a few concerns that you, you managed to get this tool out so quickly. You know, so what what you're saying is that, you know, this isn't something that you just worked on for a couple of months and just no. thrown it out. This is something that you've been developing for a while. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, we yeah. we've had an AI team um, for, I mean, for probably four or five years now, mm-hmm. um, and we've been looking at other aspects of how you might want to utilize AI as well. It's not just been AI writing, but AI writing has been a big part of that. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we were we were we were able to react quickly. Um, and we did have to reprioritize things, but um, it didn't come as a shock to us, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I do want to ask you about, though, is, you know, the idea of um, false positives, you know, mm-hmm. and what you guys are, are saying is that it's a very low false positive rate, less than one in 100 um, for this AI writing detector. And what measures do you have in place to avoid potential false positives that could impact student engagement or, or motivation? And the reason I'm asking you this is, I'll just give you an example. I think it was uh, Texas AM recently had a professor that was uh, potentially failing an entire year because he assumed that all of them were using ChatGPT um, because he'd been feeding their uh, articles and their essays into ChatGPT and then asking ChatGPT if it had written them. And ChatGPT responded in the affirmative. And as you know, ChatGPT, often when it doesn't have an answer, will say, yes, I wrote that. <laughs> yes. Um, I saw that story, actually. It was, I think, came out last week, didn't it? And, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 
I, I don't really know what he was thinking. Um, <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you know, I would say the first thing to say, obviously, is that there's tools and there's the people who use them. And, and Exactly. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so I, I think if you want, we can maybe take a little bit of a step back and and sort of understand how the sort of technology works and why you might get false positives anyway, because that might yeah, have that would be useful, yeah. Set the scene. Um, so how generative AI works is um, it basically, it learns from a huge cohort of writing. In the case of OpenAI, it's like, I think from what they say, it's pretty much the whole corpus of the internet. It's, mm. it's a, a very large percentage of everything that's ever been written. Um, and um, and then they have, and, and from that, they kind of figure out what is the most likely when, they, when they're asked to, to come up with a task, they, they look at the most likely words to come next uh, in a sentence. It's not always the same word. They, they have a few options. It's like akin to, I've heard it said, it's like rolling a dice. And then it will say, okay, I'm going to pick this word. Mm. Um, so, um, uh, but the best way I've heard it described is that it's the AI tool essentially is like the most average writer that, that ever lived. Um, whereas humans, we're a lot, lot more unpredictable. Um, and, um, because we have a much smaller knowledge essentially of writing and, and what's likely to write. Um, so, um, and it's this difference between, uh, this predictability difference as it were between the AI and the human that's what we're that's what we're uh, able to detect. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the um, the the ability to detect, or, the, or should I say, the difference between human and um, AI does also depend on the type of writing and more um, standardized writing. Say, for example, um, uh, like a, a an instruction manual um, that. Um, the difference between a, a human and AI will be much uh, much lower, and, yeah. and therefore it's um, you know if, if you're not careful, that's a case where false positives might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one of the uh, the ways why we've in our testing and in our, in our, in our labs um, we learn to understood it to, to understand this and and try and reduce that false positive rate as as much as possible with the, with the knowledge that it was never going to be zero. Um, right. I think yeah. that's what everyone has to understand here. This is not a. Um, uh, this is not something you, you could ever realistically get to zero because, like I say, sometimes humans and, and AI do write the same. Um, but we've tried to we've tried to reduce it as much as possible. I think the question on on from an academic standpoint, how to approach this, um, and I have had quite a number of conversations with academics about this over the last um, few weeks. Um, I think what the first thing is, if you have a detector or not, um, you're still going to have to have conversations with students about using AI. Um, For sure, AI. Yeah, um, and you know, a lot of cases, people can already people already can recognize the difference between um, maybe how they they understand the student rights and suddenly AI generated text. So you're always going to have those conversations. Having a detector there can help, but you have to also st- understand that you might just, as you might be wrong uh, from a human instinct, also um, the detector can be wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the key thing really is that everyone's just going to have to have uh, open conversations. You've got to understand from a student perspective that um, in this new um, world we're in, in the world of generative AI, that, that there's going to be more of a back and forth uh, conversations around writing, right? And, and, and how writing has occurred and what you've used and what tools you have used, what tools you haven't, haven't used. 
Mm. And from the academic perspective, I think, first of all, you have to um, come up with policies for that particular course or assessment of what you're going to be in, allowing to use uh, for AI or not. Um, and um, and come come with it from from the angle of um, you know that that you're gonna the, the AI detects could never be used solely to judge whether AI is used. It's just one piece of evidence, and you're gonna right. you're gonna have to have other pieces of evidence as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so an extra yeah. an extra tool in the arsenal. I mean, it, it's something that as we are moving forward and technology is advancing so quickly, this is going to be extremely useful. Yes, we think so. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just another data point. And, and, you know, one of the things that we, when we, when we were, um, so when ChatGPT came out and we'd, we'd actually already formed some, some, well, one of the things we quickly did was form an advisory board, customer advisory board to, to talk about what, what to do about this. Mm. And, and the first thing that we heard from um, academics was we want to know what's going on in our classes. And not, not even to say we want to, you know, be able to uh, stop the use of ChatGPT because I've not spoken to any academic, quite frankly, who says they, they don't see the value in it in some circumstances. Um, but it was much more around, we want to understand what's going on. And so we want to, we want to have the ability to, um, if, you can, if you can build a detector to, to give us a good level of confidence about what's going on, that's what we want to know at the moment. Mm, mm. And then you can, from that basis, then you can decide what to do next. So okay. yeah, I think it's about it's about that. Um, as you say, it's a, it's a tool in the arsenal. Um, it's uh, and and it's data that you can then do something with. Folks, I'm on the phone with James Thorley, the APAC Regional Vice President at Turnitin. He's helping to shed some light on the, uh, the technology behind ChatGPT and of course Turnitin's tool. Um, now uh, we'll be back after these messages here on Tech Talk on BFM 89.9. Old, fearless Malaysians. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome back to Tech Talk. I'm speaking with James Thorley, the APAC Regional Vice President at Turnitin, a worldwide pioneer in upholding academic honesty. They've recently launched a tech-savvy feature that supports teachers and institutions in confirming the originality of students' uh, academic submissions. Um, James, I want to move on a little bit and and talk about... um, workflow i guess mm-hmm. um because this new writing detection functionality is designed to operate within the existing turnitin workflow correct correct can you discuss how this uh integration was achieved and how will it improve user experience for educators yes yeah, so the what again one of the key pieces of feedback that we got from um, from our customers when we were um, designing this was that they they wanted it to be um, as seamless as possible within um, the the current workflow. Um, so, whenever uh, uh, you know traditionally our, our technology compares the student work with um, our, our database of of content, um, which is internet content, student content, and and research content, mm-hmm. um, and then it, and then it produces what we call a, a similarity report, which highlights uh, the matching. Um, and so we um, now, when you submit it, as well as uh, as well as it checking against uh, that uh, content, it's also 
the AI uh, detection is running on the paper as well. Um, and then uh, it, it gives a, a percentage percentage score of, of how much uh, content it thinks is, is generated on that text. And you can click then on that score and, um, and it takes you straight out into another window, which gives you a lot more details. Right. Um, so um, f- for someone who's already using our tool, um, it's, uh, it, it requires no change in, in, in process. Um, it's, it's there as, as you would be using it now, you just have access to it. So that was one of the key things that we wanted mm-hmm. to design for, um, to, to aid in, in usability. So it, it just exists. It's just there. It's just um, there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, obviously your, your tool has been trained on academic writing, um, mm-hmm. with high efficacy rates. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the, the, the training process of it and, and the challenges that you encountered? Uh, so that's more for our technical team. I wasn't directly (laughs) involved in that, so I can't really speak to that in any detail other than to say that, as I said, we did look at specific, uh, um, uh, academic, um, uh, work, um, in that, um, the, the, the process, you know, we, we felt it was a very thorough process and, and, and also just, I think the big thing that, um, is that this is this is ongoing? You know, it's not like mm. we launched it and then we stopped doing it. Of course, mm. we're, you know, uh, we have a, a, a large team that's working on this every day to understand mm. what, what we're seeing and um, fine tune and change as necessary to um, be as effective as possible. I, I think that kind of leads. You mentioned um, just then that you have a team working on it regularly, every day, still on it, and. What we have seen, even in the last few months, is just how quickly um, generative AI has evolved, whether or not it is um, text-based AI or or visual AI or art-based, whatever you want to call it. Does it worry you guys how quickly it is advancing? And how do you ensure that a company like Turnitin are able to constantly keep up with the developments and make sure that you have the correct capabilities? Is that something that again, is one of these tabled every day, every week discussions. For sure. It's, it's clearly, it's, I think for everyone in education and for us as a, as a um, technology um, vendor, I think it's in everyone's forefront of everyone's mind. And I think to be honest, I mean, we're hearing a lot of people in wider society, right. About um, the concerns that, that people have with the future, about both the possibilities and the concerns from an ethical, ethical basis. Yeah. Um, what it means for humanity in, in the in the biggest picture, um, I think that uh, when it when it you know narrowing it down to education and and for us what we we're thinking about and what it means for education, I think it's you know it does have AI uh, tools do have uh, the potential to be quite um, uh, um, very impactful really on on the future of assessment in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the future of how people think about writing, um, you know, how, how much writing we, we do in future versus, you know, putting prompts into, to AI generated, uh, AI, uh, uh, generators and, and using the outputs. Um, I think one of the things that the, that I've conversations I've had with academics, and I think most people agree on is that they, um, it's still going to be so important to, actually teach students how to write and what good writing looks like yeah uh, because like with all of these tools if you um don't know like you, you you can get the output and you might think that's 
you know, if you understand how writing works and you recognize good writing, you can say, oh, that's good writing. But if it's not mm. good writing, then you don't want to use it. Mm. So it, this understanding and, and also the ability to think critically. And, and so you still have to have that, make sure you've, you're building those critical thinking skills um, and those and those baseline writing skills so people can use these tools effectively. Mm-hmm. So I, I think um, it's so early in this process um, for the education space, uh, you know, like we're saying, it's only been what five months now um, since ChatGPT was launched. Um, education traditionally moves quite slowly. I, th- I think it will have to move faster to, yeah. Yeah. to to shift. Although it proved with COVID, it was able to move quickly as well. Um, but I think there's a lot of um, potential with AI as well in terms of assisting students in the learning process. So as well as the efficiencies piece, there's also, I, th- I think there is going to be the potential for, for using um, AI to, to encourage students to learn to write more, for example, by, pro- yeah. pr- by providing them, you know, sort of much more instant feedback on the writing and guiding them through that process. Um, so we're thinking about all of these things. We're definitely thinking about um, other steps around integrity. Um, so not just detection, but um, there's, there's, there's other things that we could do to, to build in um, around it. One of the interesting things I think everyone knows is, you know, AI often makes things up. So, yeah. um, you know, reference checking and things like that. We're looking at those ideas. Um, but we're also looking at using AI for, um, you know, to from a pedagogical perspective to also improve student work as well. And there's, there's a lot of potential there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still very, very early. And so I think... Um, the discussions I've had m- most lately with universities is, has been, well, we just need to take a step back back now and, you know, see people are, people have got lots of good ideas. People are, um, you know, using this in different ways. We actually just need to, you know, take a pause and then review in, you know, six, 12 months mm-hmm. um, and not sort of make any rush decisions and, and, um, and, then, and then sort of move forward from there. Mm. I mean, it wasn't all that long ago that, you know, there was a bunch of researchers and scientists who came together and released that paper saying, you know, can we put a pause on the development of, of AI? And you'd even got countries, I think Italy was one of them that first jumped up and said, you know, we, we want to stop using yeah. this. We, we want to re, uh, stop people accessing. These are not the correct responses in, in my mind. Um, no. I mean, how do, you, how do you feel about it? I yeah, mean, not- I, I, I agree. I, I think... Um, Look, I, I, certainly, I'm, I'm I'm not enough technically minded to to talk, you know, about the uh, you know twenty thirty years down the line what AI could do. But I, I think that the whenever you try and ban something like this, I, I I can't think of a case where it's been successful, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, th- this is out there. People are going to use it, um, and and it's about teaching people about what it can and can't do, mm-hmm. um, and then. Um, and then taking it step by step, I think, and and yeah, I mean the the bigger picture piece, it's it's beyond my knowledge, but certainly um, at a at a local level now, I, you know, in terms of education, the idea that you can ban students from using it is, I mean, yeah, I I think it's uh, I think it's the wrong approach, and I think it's going to be totally ineffective. Mm-hmm. And like with Italy banning ChatGPT, I mean, they can just use a VPN, I presume, and, and access it. That's it. Well. Yeah. It's the same approach. The idea that that um, you know, unless somehow the whole world decided not to do it, but it's going to be impossible, isn't it? It's it's going to be out mm. there. It's, it's about mm. um, ensuring people understand it and and um, yeah, being aware of it um, uh, and think about how they can utilize it in in because it's going to be utilized in work. So they're going to have to learn about it in school as well. 
That's what I was going to say, actually. That's a very similar thing to how I was going to wrap up. But James, thank you very much for, for, for nailing it and you know putting me a bit more in the picture as well. Um, of course, I've been on the phone with James Thorley, the APAC Regional Vice President at Turnitin. They are a worldwide pioneer in upholding academic honesty. Uh, they recently launched a, uh, a new feature that supports teachers and institutions in confirming the originality of students' academic submissions. If you want to find out more information, head over to their website. It is turnitin.com. Uh, and if you missed any part of this uh, conversation, you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. I recommend the BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. My name is Rich Bradbury for Tech Talk here on BFM 89.9. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.